Dear Lord, make me a nail upon the wall, fastened securely in its place. Then from this thing so common and so small, hang a bright picture of thy face. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Dear friends, the title of this, our study, is The Impartial Christ. The Bible says in John 17, 3, as it quotes Jesus, This is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. These are most significant words, my dear friends. Eternal life consists of knowing the Lord. Someone said, well, then why are you giving this series of studies on the Sabbath? It is because Ezekiel chapter 20, verse 20, with other texts, declares, I gave them my Sabbath that they might know that I am the Lord. So there's something, when we properly understand the Holy Sabbath, that leads us into a knowledge of our Lord. I wish you'd notice with us this afternoon the special characteristic of our Lord, as we indicated by the topic, the impartial Christ. And you'll notice how that the Holy Sabbath day shows our Lord to be the impartial Lord that he really is. In Malachi chapter 3, verse 6, he says, I am the Lord, I change not. So through the eternal ages, the Lord has been the same. He's the same Lord in the Old Testament as in the New. The same one who gave the Ten Commandment law on Mount Sinai is the same one who gave the blessings as found in Matthew 5. So he is the international Christ. In Numbers 15, verses 15 and 16, he said, I'm giving one manner of life, one set of laws for you, Israelites, and for the stranger that's with you. All of you have the same a set of laws, the same code. And in Acts 10, 34, Peter said that the Lord had revealed to him that he is no respect of persons. And in the 35th verse, he said, people of every nation who fear God and work righteousness are accepted of him. This is the Lord. He is an international savior. Someone said, well, what does this have to do with the Holy Sabbath day? The Holy Sabbath day is a telescope through which I see the Lord, through which you can see the Lord. Turning again to Ezekiel chapter 20, verse 20, I gave them my Sabbath days that they might know that I am the Lord, that you may know that I am the Lord, your God, so you'll get acquainted with me. Every doctrine that I give reveals my character. The Holy Sabbath doctrine reveals my character, my character of impartiality as far as today's study is concerned. The Holy Sabbath day was given before there was any division of races or nations. In Genesis 2, verses 1 to 3, we have at the very closing day of creation, on the seventh day of creation, God blessing this day because he rested from his work of creation. There were no nations. There was no division of races. This was 2,000 years or so before the existence of a Jew. So you see, my friends, as Jesus said in Mark 2, 27 and 28, the Sabbath was made for man, all mankind. It reveals an international Christ, an impartial Savior. 
Let me give you two or three examples, if I may. When my wife and I were in the West Indies many years ago, we'd built a galvanized tabernacle in a certain city where lived a gentleman, I'm not going to give his real name, I'll call him, well, let's say Mr. George. Mr. George saw this tabernacle in process of being erected. He inquired around and he learned that it was to be the meeting place for Seventh-day Adventists. For some reason, Mr. George had been very prejudiced against Sabbath keepers. And so he went around and visited the various ministers of that city. And he challenged them, I want you to go to Mr. Kuhn's services when he begins them in that tabernacle, and I want you to stand up and confuse him, for he is not preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I want my friends to know. When we began our meetings, after, oh, maybe a week or two, we noticed that we needed a slide, for we were giving stereoptican lectures. We liked to have the text appear on the screen so the audience could see that we were reading the text correctly and not twisting the Word of God. So that day I realized that I needed another slide. I was presenting something along the line of what we've been presenting here in these studies. And I inquired around and someone said, there's a photographer who can make slides. He's only a few blocks away. And I thought, well, time is of the essence. So I walked down and walked into Mr. George's office, his studio. And I explained to him that I needed a slide and I had the copy there. And I asked him if he could have that slide ready by the time I would need it. I would need it in just two or three days. I'll never forget as I walked into Mr. George's office. He, it seemed to me that he was a sort of a strutter. (laughs) And he had to first of all tell me what an accomplished man he was. He told me that he had dined with royalty. He'd eaten with a governor. His letterheads had the little caption, patronized by royalty. And he showed me some of the work that he'd done. I could see that he was very, a very proud man. He was also racially biased. He was an East Indian gentleman, and he looked down on people of other races. And as I indicated to him what we needed, and asked him if he could have it on time, he straightened up and he said, I am a man of my word. If I tell you I'll have that slide at such and such a time, I shall have it. You can depend on me. And I thanked him very much went on my way. When the day arrived that I was to come down and pick up the slide, circumstances were such that I couldn't even get my car out of the garage. And so I decided that uh, there's nothing to do about it. But since it was only a few blocks away, and since I hadn't called for it in person, Mr. George decided that he would walk up to our tabernacle and he would hand me this slide in person. When he came to the tabernacle, our song service was already on. 
I think I was already on the rostrum. So he didn't want to interrupt the service, so he, he asked about uh, who might be running the stereopticon, and he handed him the slide, and he said, this is for Mr. Kuhn. Of course, I didn't know that the slide had been delivered, and so I went right ahead with my service. That night, Mr. George decided that he would sit and watch the whole program until his slide came on the screen and he would see how, uh, how well it was accepted by me and by the audience. But he never saw his slide that night. Little did he know that I had never received it. Consequently, I was not able to use it. But he did see something else that was to change his life. As Mr. George looked at the screen that night, the first picture to come on was an artist's concept of Jesus. And then as the picture of Jesus came on, we began to equate Jesus with Genesis 1. For the Bible says in John 1.10, he was in the world and the world was made by him and the world knew him not. And he was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And so the audience saw that this Christ of the Gospel of John and the other Gospels and the New Testament was the one who made the world. And then we flashed onto the screen the artist's concept of our earth. And I said, now friends, I'd like to have you share with me the answers to some questions. I said, according to the text which we have just read, who was it that made the world? They said, Jesus. I said, on the first day of creation, he said, let there be light. Who was it that said, let there be light? And the audience said, Jesus. And then I went down day after day, the various things that God had created, the first day, the second day, the third day, the fourth day, the fifth day, the sixth day. Who was it that made man? They said, Jesus. And now we've come to the seventh day. Genesis 2, 1 to 3. He said, the Lord made the world and he rested. Who was it that rested the seventh day of creation? And the audience said, Jesus. And who was it, according to Genesis 2, 1 to 3, who blessed and hallowed the seventh day at creation? And the audience said, Jesus. And then we flashed onto the screen several times, as I remember now that evening about this time, the artist's concept of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. And I said, who was in the Garden of Eden that first week when the Lord Jesus made the world and made the Sabbath? And he said in Mark 2, 27 and 28, he made it for man. What man was living then? Only Adam and Eve. Adam, as the head of the human race, with his wife, received the Sabbath as a gift. That's what it says. Then I went on through the Old Testament, and I showed how, from God's holy word, that the Lord had instructed people to keep the Sabbath because of creation. And we opened and looked at the Ten Commandment law. It was flashed on the screen. The fourth commandment was flashed on the screen where the Lord said, remember, remember now, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. 
in it thou shalt not do any work. Mr. George was looking on. And there he saw it said, because in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, just like he'd said in Genesis 2, 1 to 3, right at creation's dawn, because he made the world in six days and the rest did, he commands us to do the same. We went on through the Old Testament. We came on over into Numbers, the 15th chapter, verses 15 and 16. The Lord said, look, I'm not giving you Israelites anything that I'm not giving to anyone who wants to serve me. The stranger that's among you, he has the same code of ethics. I have given him the same manner of life as I give you. I want you to understand, he said in Ezekiel chapter 20, verses 12 and 20, the reason why I've given you this day is that you may know what I'm like. I am impartial. I'm an internationalist. I'm the God of the Jews. I'm the God of the Gentiles. I'm the God of all of my creatures. All mankind is mine. And I don't change. I treat them all alike. And then we went on over in the New Testament, in Luke 4, 16, where Jesus came to Nazareth, where it said it, it, it had been his custom to keep the seventh day, the Sabbath. And then we went on through until we found Jesus hanging on Calvary on Friday afternoon, Luke 23, verses 54 to 56. And it said the next day his followers went back home and kept the Sabbath according to the commandment, the same commandment of Exodus 28 to 11. And the commandment of Exodus 28 to 11 bridged the gap from creation. So we have creation, we have Sinai, we have Christ. The whole, the whole historical gap is bridged by the same commandment, the same day of the week, by the same wonderful Christ. Then we read how the Apostle Paul kept the seventh day. He not merely spoke to the to the Jews on the seventh day, as revealed in Acts the 13th chapter. But he spoke to the Gentiles also, and it said the whole city almost came out to hear him on the Sabbath day. The Apostle Paul was also an internationalist. And then we went on down through to Revelation, the first chapter and the 10th verse, where John said, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. So the Lord has a day. And he limited it in that verse to one particular day. He didn't say any day is the Lord's day. Then we found in, in Mark 2, 27 and 28 that the Lord's day is a Sabbath day. And then we found in Hebrews 4, 4, that the Sabbath or rest day is the seventh day. Then we read that according to Isaiah, the gospel prophet, who presents to us the new heavens and the new earth, in the 65th chapter of Isaiah, verses 22 and 23, he said, as the new heavens and the new earth shall remain before me, so will the Sabbath remain, and you'll remain, and you'll come to me, and you'll come up to worship before me every Sabbath day. We brought our service to a close. We invited people to accept Jesus Christ. He, our Creator, is our Redeemer. It is our Creator who hung on dark Calvary for our sins and died in our place. Won't you receive Him? Oh, friends, scores of people came to the altar to give their hearts to Him who alone can create new hearts. It's not a do-it-yourself religion. And we dismiss them. The next day, 
I went down to see Mr. George. When our service had concluded, somebody had given me this slide. And so I went down to pay Mr. George. As I walked into his studio the next day, this man who had seemed the, a few days before to be a strutter, an egotist, took completely a different stance. Mr. Cooney said, I have received the greatest shock of my life last night. He said, I am a Sunday school teacher. And I've been a teacher in Sunday school for many years. I've received award after award for being the best teacher of the Sunday school. He said, never until last night did I know how wrong I was when I called the seventh day the Jewish Sabbath. He said, in fact, I never knew until last night that the Holy Sabbath day was given at creation. Jesus Christ who made the world, rested on the seventh day and gave it to mankind and blessed it then. He said, I thought I was smart as a teacher. How little did I realize, how little I knew. And I thought, well, thank you, Lord. This is a wonderful thing. Then he went on to tell me how that he had been challenging various ministers to come and sit on the front seats and interrupt me right in the middle of my sermon and to complicate and frustrate me. And he said, not one of them would come. No, I said, Mr. George, the ministers were too respectful. They wouldn't think of doing a thing like that. Well, I went back home quite happy. A few days later, I came back to his studio again. Imagine my surprise, friends, as I walked into that studio, just on the outside of the studio was a big sign this studio will be closed every Sabbath of the Lord, Saturday, according to the commandment. And as I walked in and I said, Mr. George, it has been such a joy to meet you. He said, well, this is a great revelation to me. I think it was the next Sunday I was speaking on the subject of who changed the Sabbath. And I showed from Daniel, the seventh chapter, and the 25th verse, that God prophesied that there would be a power, a religious power, who would actually think itself able to destroy the seventh day of the fourth commandment, and in its place, put another day. And then I read from history where this religious power has actually boasted of the fact that it could strip the fourth commandment of the day God had said to keep, and it had placed in the place of that seventh day the day that it had in its own power made, quote, sacred, unquote. When I closed that service, oh, uh, let me back up a bit. I had announced for that service that I would give a thousand dollars, or not I, but that someone had offered a thousand dollars for anyone who could give one text of scripture indicating that Sunday was sacred. When I closed that service with a benediction, I noticed somebody was standing at the back of the tabernacle. It was this big Mr. George. He extended his arm way up high, and he began to almost shout. 
He said, sir, sir. Yes, sir. He said, I will give another $1,000 for anybody who will pre present to me any text in the New Testament that states that the first day is sacred. And I thought, well, of all things, here is this man who was an enemy two weeks ago, and here he is supporting the Word of God. I went to visit Mr. George many times. Finally, Mr. George said, well, I now see that baptism is the memorial of Christ's glorious resurrection. I would like to be baptized into the, into the Lord Jesus Christ, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and unite with a Sabbath-keeping church. I said, wonderful. It was a wonderful day when Mr. George came in and saw us engaging in the Holy Communion service. He saw black and white people bending down and bathing one another's feet, even as Jesus did just a little while before he entered Gethsemane. And Jesus said, I set you an example that you should do as I have done. If you know these things, happy are you if you do them. Mr. George came to me later, and he said, he said, Pastor Kuhn, something marvelous has taken place in my life. He said, you may not know it, but I was sort of a racist. I was prejudiced against all other races, including the Negro. He said, but let me tell you what's happened. I can freely kneel down now and bathe a black man's feet and invite him in the Holy Communion service to bathe my feet. Friends, Jesus Christ says that eternal life is to know him. He has said that in his Holy Sabbath day, we shall learn of him and his character. The Holy Sabbath day presents our Lord as an internationalist. Our Lord Jesus is impartial to all races and all people under all circumstances. And you know, it not merely is in a theoretical, a doctrinal way, but it's in a practical way of life. It was because Jacob was partial that he got Joseph into trouble. And I'm thinking of a little girl by the name of Anne that came to us some years ago. She said, can you tell me why I can't, I can't get along with any committees or any young people at all? We spent hours studying it and we came up with this. When Anne was born, her mother wanted a boy. She got a girl. She told Anne, you are not wanted. She loved all the other children was partial toward them all. The result was that Anne had a twisted personality. Had her mother known that the Lord Jesus Christ is impartial, he loves everyone and treats everyone alike, and if she had copied him, her example, how different would poor little Anne's life have been? Not merely, my friends, in the family, not merely in the nations, but my dear friends, when it comes to the question of salvation and victory, Jesus Christ is impartial. I'm thinking of where we held a series of meetings in a certain place where a little lady who could neither read nor write attended night after night. One day she sought an interview. 
And as we were chatting with her, she said, you know, I would like to know how to be saved. And we gave her the ABCs of salvation. A, all have sinned. B, behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. C, come unto me. Come confessing your sins. I will forgive and cleanse you as you confess me. She accepted the Lord Jesus Christ, kept coming to the meetings, and was preparing for baptism. A little later, we said, I wonder if we've instructed her fully. The Bible says the body is the tabernacle of the Holy Ghost. Maybe she has some bad habit, as people in that community have, which is not an outstandingly bad habit. It's one of those little bad habits. We said, let's check to see, because we don't want to fail to give her the whole gospel of God. Jesus save his, saves his people from bad habits. So we decided that, that uh, after one of the services, we'd invite all who are planning on baptism to come to the, to the front. And we would ask them if they wouldn't like deliverance over any bad habit. This little lady sat there, not saying a word. Any of you would like to have victory over some bad habit? Not a word. I finally pointed to her and I said, Sister, don't you have some little habit that you'd like the victory over? She said, No. And then I mentioned the habit that I had been told that was hers. And I said, Don't you have that little habit? She said, Oh, no, I do not. She said, I did have it up until the day that I accepted Jesus Christ when you're in my home. And when he gave me his salvation, he cleansed me of this habit at the same time. I said, thank the Lord. The same Lord that brings deliverance and salvation and eternal life to the rich brings it to the poor. To the intellectual, he brings it to those who can neither read nor write. My friends, no matter where we find ourselves, Jesus Christ will be our Savior if we'll let him in. Shall we pray? Dear Father in heaven, we thank you this afternoon that Jesus our Lord is an impartial Savior. He has said, Whosoever will may take of the water of life freely. Dear Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that the viewing audience, if there should be one who has never yet received Jesus as his personal Savior, may realize, Lord, that you will accept him or her in the very circumstance of life, filled with sin, filled with iniquity. You're not saying clean yourself up first. You, our Creator, will do the cleaning and the making of a new heart. We ask believingly, we thank you in Jesus' name, according to our faith we have received. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's Word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.